what is education in the first place, right? Like, I think we've kind of like strayed away from like the ideals of education as a society, right? Education is meant to like kind of prepare you to be like a functioning adult human being in, in the world. And I think that's like a great way to look at education, like holistically. It's not necessarily like, hey, these two letters after my name will result in a 60K increase in base salary if I graduate and get this shit, right? It's not a matter of like how many extra dollars that like degree will make you and like thinking of it in a very like transactional way. It's more like holistically, like what kind of person will I come out of this? What opportunities will I be exposed to from this experience? And will that result in me being, you know, happier, more contented, more skillful, and more able to like, you know, get the career I want to get. Hello, and welcome back to the next iteration podcast. It's been a while since we recorded, so please forgive us if there are any slip ups, but we're excited to get bring this episode to you guys. Today's episode is on grad school, and we're going to be talking through kind of, you know, why go to grad school at all, how that decision kind of worked out in both of our heads. For context, Damien just finished grad school, and I'm uh, going to be starting grad school next year. Um, and so just talk through our decisions of going into it, what Damien's experiences were, and kind of like what we want to get out of it. So yeah, I know that a lot of you listeners might be struggling with the decision of going to grad school or something similar. So we're excited to kind of give you guys our perspectives on that. See you on the other side. You are now listening to the Next Iteration Podcast with your hosts Fuad and Damien. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. We hope you enjoy the episode. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. okay, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Oh my god, it's been so long since we've last done this. It's weird feeling rusty behind the mic. That's not it a feeling we've been accustomed to recently. Dude, but, I brought my mic to Toronto just in case we I was going to record there and I like packed it and there's like a little like weird like slip there because it's been packed so long. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a little deformation in the foam and I'm like, bro, what am I saying? Like, how's my phone deformed? You're gonna, <laughs> this this yeah, is like your bread and butter. You know, this is this is like the Lambo you flex as a podcast is your mic. So. <laughs> um, We're rocking but, the Toyota Corolla mics right now. <laughs> I mean, if it's fuel efficient, it's fuel efficient, right? exactly exactly uh but yeah we are thrilled to be back and this is something that uh a topic that a lot of you have actually mentioned to us um uh, in terms of trying to understand more about the value prop behind grad school why we even did it or what like why you plan on doing it in the future mm-hmm. and um just to kind of address some of those concerns so i guess one I guess the first place you should really start this off with is if you are considering grad school, make sure you're only doing it for the right reasons, which is to say that I know it's easy when you come out of, uh, of your four years or whatever out of your undergrad and you still don't really know what to do uh, or what you want to do uh, once you have your degree in hand. It's easy to just, you know, follow that next readily available path, which is, you know, just get more schooling done, go to the, like that next tier of education. That is not the that is not the thing to do. That is mm-hmm. definitely not the thing to do if you're that's uncertain the worst about what you want to go to grad school. Yeah. Sorry, that's probably the worst reason to go to grad school. Mm-hmm. We found, yeah. And because you know, if you think about it, right, school and let alone grad school, it's huge time and huge money investment. And if you're not intentional about making those choices, it's just pretty much all going to go to waste, um, regardless mm-hmm. of what people say. And if you talk to PhDs. 
a lot of them say do not get a fucking phd like it is <laughs> you you burn so much of your life into doing this thing and yes it is an incredible feat no doubt but i don't know in like today's market like the value of advanced degrees are just going lower and lower so you'd be very mm-hmm. intentional in um what you do with it so where to from here i think it's a good idea to like kind of set the playing field so you're about to graduate or you know you're in second or third year and thinking about graduating or maybe you just graduated and you didn't get a job and you have no idea what the fuck you're doing right let's set the field a little bit grad school grad school is one of your options but i think it's important to consider all your options so like as you're kind of getting out i mean obviously you could like go join the circus you can do whatever you want right but like let's assume like you know you want to get a job or you want to like start a company or something like that or you want to go to grad school it's important to consider all your alternatives i think and really understand like what grad school might get out of you. And then it's also important to consider like, what are the personal factors going to that decision? So for me, and I know for a lot of people, number one is like finances, bro. Grad school is expensive as shit, especially if you do it, I got a very good institution, um, which is, you know, the sad truth of our world that, you know, the nice institutions cost a lot more money and it is what it is. And they're also more exclusive and they educate less people, but that's a debate in and of itself. Um, so like money is like a very big thing. Time is another big thing. Like as Damien alluded to, like it takes a lot out of you. It also does so at the prime of your life, right? It's pretty much, you are 22 to like 28 when you're doing grad school, which is like the best years of your life. Like the years you could be living it up or whatever, instead of like studying in like some whole dormitory basement library, whatever it is, shout out the library. Um, <laughs> and so it's really important to consider the time aspect as well and like how it kind of lines up with your life. And then for me, a big aspect also is like, where's my grad school going to be? And like, what city am I going to live in? Like, am I going to enjoy the city I live in? Um, and then the last aspect is just expected that you have some form of grad school, right? Like an undergrad just it doesn't cut it for the buy that, all right? You're never going to get married if you just have an undergrad degree, right? And so like, I think I grew up, especially where an environment where both my parents were raised by university professors, And so they obviously had their PhDs and, you know, graduate degrees. And so there was almost like an expectation. Both of my parents also had graduate degrees. So it's like an expectation that you have to do it, right? Like you're going to be the first person who just did undergrad, like, bro, you can't do that. Right. And so that was like a big pressure for me that I actually didn't realize it until I like sat down and I'm going to espouse this once again, like journaling is your number one friend here when making this decision. Like I didn't even realize that this was a factor in my decision until like I sat down and I was like, wait, why do I want to grad school? Like what could be some of the reasons behind it? And I did realize that like a lot of that was like parental pressure and like familial pressure and societal pressure, like within the communities I was a part of. So yeah, we've kind of set the playing field. You have to understand what all your alternatives are, put them on the table. And I mean, literally put them on the table, like get a big piece of paper, get a whiteboard, whatever it is, and like write down your alternatives and put them in different buckets and like visualize everything like spatially as well. Um, and then, you know, dive in deep into grad school. Like, what are the factors? What schools would I apply to? What programs would I do? And then I guess you end up arriving at a decision. So why don't we hear from you, Damon? How did you arrive at your decision to actually go to grad school? What were some of the factors for you? Yeah, absolutely. So what I actually did was um, when I finished up my undergrad, I had noticed that trend that we we're touching on, right? Like people just jump into like a master's or like into that next readily available thing without giving too much critical thought as to where do I really want to go from here? How do I want my life and my career to evolve? So given that I didn't have a good answer in hand, I decided to just take a year off, like take a bit of a gap year after university um, to try and really nail down that answer for myself. 
And I am so freaking glad that I did it. Um, it's easy to, it's easy to just go through life, like go through the motions. It's a lot harder to, you know, take some of these steps where a, some people will look at you and be like, Hey, well, like, why, why did you do this? Like why, especially family, right. Especially if you're coming from like Asian, South Asian com- communities, like there's this constant pressure to, you know, keep moving and keep doing things where, you know, your family can flex to the other families about, which is, you know, it's the unfortunate truth of it, but think about like at the end of the day, like you are the only person that's living your life, right? Like your parents, like once they're gone, that's it, right? Like if you were living your entire lives for them, like what do you have left at that point? So I took the year off and I just engaged in a bunch of different experiments. Like I took on different projects, um, hit up some of my friends and start started building things with them. Um, tried learning some new skills and just, you know, just dabbling in a bunch of things here and there. Because if you don't, if you don't experiment, if you don't explore, how else are you going to learn more about yourself? Right. So I did that. And I realized that personally, science was my first love, but for better or worse, like I had a ton of engineering friends when I went through my undergrad and they really did shape some of the interests that I started to, uh, to evolve into. And the way that looked is, while science was my first love, I just was endlessly fascinated by the way that technology was able to completely transform industries, right? And completely just catalyze innovation. So I figured why not find something that would be kind of at the nexus of science tech and, you know, just and healthcare, which was like the other avenue, the other aspect I was considering, because almost every brown kid out there was pre-med at some point in their lives. After after narrowing down my options to those those two things, like what's what would be there at this the intersection of tel- tech, healthcare, science, whatever, um, I found this program right, the Masters of Health Informatics um, at the University of Toronto. Like there is a couple other health informatics programs out there, but shout out UFT, you know they do it best. So, um, what I did was, I kind of looked up people who had gone through the program. And I found someone that just so happened to have done the same undergrad that I did. So I reached out to them like, yo, I'm thinking about applying to this program. Like, what are your thoughts? Blah, blah, blah. We started getting to chat. uh, We started chatting and we got to know each other. And eventually we started building this relationship where I was able to lean on him to help me craft my application. So with his help and with his mentorship, um, I was luckily able to get in. And, you know, there's been some ups and downs. I'm not going to lie, like going through a grad school program um, through COVID was a unique and definitely challenging experience in some ways. In other ways, it was great, you know, like same ways as uh, remote work, rolling out of bed and you're already at work. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, I, I enjoyed that part. But other than that, though, yeah, like it takes a toll on relationship building. But when it comes to grad school, I think more so than anything, the network is the real, the real value prop for you. You know, especially when you're considering getting an MBA as what is um, grad school, you know, like the content is great and all, but like those things really, first of all, most people do not even pay attention in classes. Like, let's be real. If you didn't do it during your undergrad, you're really not going to be doing it in grad school. Um, second of all, the lessons that you actually take from grad school are way more. What's the word? They're way more tangible when you actually enact them in in your real life right be it in your work or just in your personal life so those lessons they don't really stick as hard like reading it off a page reading it through a book is not going to stick as hard as it is going to be doing it in real life 
So mm-hmm. be intentional about that as well. Like I think the, the real value of education there, I'm just rambling at this point. So like you'll have to cut me <laughs> off a little bit. But I think like when it comes to the real value of education, and this is something that's been hammered out of us, probably because of standardized testing. But there's a lot of really interesting shit that they teach you, especially in these graduate programs, right? They're more specialized. They're, there's a world-class faculty teaching it to you. There's a lot of value in this program. And if you really take the step to do what you can to genuinely be curious about the material, you're going to take so much out of it. I promise you that. Um, because you're literally being taught by the best and brightest. Like there's no, there's no other way about it. Right. Um, so there's that. And then the one last thing I want to say before handing the mic over to you is be careful of the trap of becoming overqualified or sorry, overeducated and underqualified, right? Like a lot of people want to go into grad school because they feel that it might help them get like a better chance of getting a job or whatever it may be. Be careful with the trap that, you know, if you're not putting the work in and actually building up relevant skills or experience, you're going to end up overeducated and underqualified, right? Um, you're going to end up getting paid the same salary as someone coming out of undergrad if you have no work experience in between or like no relevant uh, expertise to offer to the organization. So just be mm-hmm. cognizant of that. But anyways, yeah, I said a lot of shit. Yeah, let me throw it over to you. No, dude, no worries. Um, there's a lot of shit to be said this episode, so I appreciate the rambling. Um, yeah, that's huge. I think the two things that you stuck out to me were like the last one you mentioned, or like the whole experimentation thing what is education in the first place, right? Like, I think we've kind of like strayed away from like the ideals of education as a society, right? Education is meant to like kind of prepare you to be like a functioning adult human being in, in the world, like a functioning citizen of, of, you know, a functioning democracy or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's like a great way to look at education, like holistically. It's not necessarily like, hey, these two letters after my name will result in a 60K increase in base salary if I graduate and get this shit, right? It's not a matter of like how many extra dollars that like degree will make you and like thinking of it in a very like transactional way. It's more like holistically, like what kind of person will I come out of this? What opportunities will I be exposed to from this experience? And will that result in me being, you know, happier, more contented, more skillful and more able to like, you know, get the career I want to get, Right. Um, cause if you do the math on a lot of stuff and I'll, you know, kind of like allude to the MBA a, a bit, like if you do the math and on an MBA, if you want to stay in software engineering, it makes absolutely zero sense, right? Like you're giving up two years of salary. You're probably paying 60 to 70 K a year for that MBA. The opportunity cost is absolutely insane. Right. And even if you get, you know, a higher level software engineering job, or if you get like a managerial position, that's probably a promo you could have done in those two years anyways. So like per dollar cost, like you're losing money on that. Plus like compound interest, right? You could have been investing that for an extra two years. It's just not worth the money, right? So like thinking about it on like a per dollar basis will, you know, give you a very clear answer. And that's not necessarily the answer that, you know, might make you the most fulfilled, might make you the most like comfortable with who you are and comfortable with your career. Plus you're, you're taking away all like the random chance occurrences, right? And I mean, maybe Damien can speak to this a lot, but you know, the random people you meet just like grabbing coffee or like, you know, the random people you meet on a Zoom lecture, like whatever it is, like each of those people has the potential to like 10x your life, right? Think think back to undergrad, right? If you're in undergrad right now, think back to freshman year, like the kind of person you were when you came in 
is completely different from who you are in like third or fourth year of your of your university degree, right? And that's not necessarily like reflected in the dollar cost university. You can't say like I paid 16k to grab this new group of friends, right? It's like completely, completely spontaneous and like very, very difficult to predict, right? You might come out of undergrad and be like, yo, 64k for like that group of friends. That was absolutely not worth it, right? <laughs> and that might be your that might be your experience too, but like I think very few people will say like and look back on the undergrad career and be like, yo, I regretted university. I wish I had not gone to university and just gone straight to work. Right. So when you look at it from that perspective, grad school can actually be like a very, very good tool to kind of cultivate those connections, understand who you are as a human being a little bit more, and then, you know, use that understanding to become better placed, like whatever you want to pursue. And I think like the biggest thing for that is obviously network. Like there's just so many, like think about the people who are applying to the program that you're applying to. And then think about how many things in common they must have with you, right? Like to apply to like the bioinformatics program, yo, like there's got to be like so many layers of interest and so many layers of like shaping outcomes that have like happened since childhood that have resulted in them being like very similar to you or overlapping with you in specific ways. And like, there's so many ways you could feed off that energy, right? And so I think that's like a really good like way of looking at it as well. Just like the peer group you're going to be in you're basically just like selecting that peer group further and further and further in, right? Like remember elementary school? It was just like a bunch of random people who just lived in the same neighborhood as you. And then you like tone it down, you tone it down, you tone it down. Even university, it's like people in your program versus people outside of your program, right? You're more likely to have friends in your program. But then imagine selecting for like even, even further, like 80 people, right? 50 people, however large your program is. And I don't know, I think there's something so exciting about being like, hey, like there's so many people like me and they're all super motivated and they're all going to be in this environment. It's just like magic is bound to happen there. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's like a, a really good way of like looking at the network aspect of it. Yeah. And like, the, which is also to say, like, if, if what you want is a network, there's so many other ways to, to get that network without having to sink, you know, like 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever, a thousand dollars into, and like all this time into that education. Um, there nowadays, you know, there's plenty of discord and Slack communities, Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, right? The communities you want to be a part of, they exist. It's just a matter of taking that step to find them. Um, which, and again, like you're, you're optimizing for a network that's in like within the sphere that you want to be in. But if we want to take that a step further, you know, there exists other groups. And even in this case, like fellowships that exist where, you can be exposed to even larger communities that are part of like tangential um, areas of interest. We'll say it in that way. So there are plenty of opportunities to meet people, right? Like if don't make, if that's the only thing you want to get out of it, like don't make, don't, don't use that as your litmus test for which, which, if you want to get into grad school. Um, but that being said, I don't know, there's something about going through a curriculum with, you know, this, this other group of people, you know, it's something about like the, the suffering you all endure together. It really does. Shared suffering, like the number one maker of friends. Exactly. Like you, nothing brings you closer together than like just shitting on the curriculum that you're going through or like, Oh my God, this, this fucking project is literally draining our life away. Um, So that does allow you a bit of a depth of, um, of relationship building, um, especially considering some of these other groups, they may not be geographically, uh, close to you in proximity. So mm-hmm. take that, I guess, as another, uh, another consideration. What's your biggest regret from going through your program? Honestly, just that, that COVID like COVID is just the biggest regret I have. Like, I, I'm glad I went through the program. I learned more about myself as an individual. 
Um, I learned a ton about the way the world works, especially within like the spe specific sphere I was looking at uh, within like the digital health, health informatics, health tech space. Um, mm -hmm. Met a ton of really cool people. Um, and like oftentimes, you know, and the other thing is, um, as you kind of touched on before with better schools or schools with stronger names gets you, gets you a better network, like that's true as well. Like that does pay off when you do graduate and people see, you know, an Ivy League school or in this case, like U of T on your resume, it definitely does reflect better on you than um, uh, than like some random community college, I guess. Um, another thing is specifically in my instance, I found that because the health informatics space is, it's still pretty small. The community is still very small, especially within Ontario. Um, I found MHI alums that are in crazy places I never would have expected. And because the community is still so small, everyone's so supportive. Like they love to get to know each other, especially new faces in the space. And they love going out on a limb for you. Um, mm -hmm. So like the, I guess what that leads me to is the other benefit of going into a grad school program is that you kind of get to extend that status of being a student a little further. And that's mm -hmm. hands down. Being a student is one of the best states of your life, best orientations, because like people love helping students out. Like we mentioned this before, and they will mm -hmm. go hands down, go out on a limb for you. Um, if you mm -hmm. show the initiative that, you know, I'm putting in this work, I really just want this next opportunity or just a chance at it. Right. Um, investing all this time into myself, you know, could you just help me out a little bit? People love helping students out. And I think they're more likely to help a student out than some like random old person. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I love how you reframe like network to community. Cause I think that's super, super powerful. Like it's easy to like talk about like, Oh, like you want to like go for the network or whatever, but like really what you're getting is a community, not a network. You're getting people who care about you, who've like suffered through the same things you have, who like understand where you're coming from, understand like your life decisions up to that point of getting to grad school and like graduating, understand like what kind of careers you might be seeking out of it. And we've all done similar shit. So it's just like a ton of people you get to ask questions to. And then number two, and I've heard this from a lot of people, but most notably, I had this conversation with uh, Courtney, who, who's at SUSE. Um, and I was like, oh, like, you know, what, what are like some of the things you took out of grad school? And she's like, yo, your .edu email or like your UFT email or whatever yeah. is a superpower. Like anyone you email with that email, like is instantly in the mindset of like, oh, I'm trying to help this person. You know what I mean? Especially if it's someone from your school. So obviously like, you know, schools with larger alumni networks, schools with like alumni networks that are in the fields you want to be in, which is a huge part of like my process are like really important. But even just like anyone in general, like they see a .edu email, they see a student, they're like, dude, I'm trying to help out. I'm like, I don't know, I've used this a lot to my benefit. And, you know, you might call me manipulative or whatever, but when you approach somebody, even if they're like, not necessarily like a super, super higher level than you, they could even be on like, you know, the same like job title or whatever it is. But if you approach them, like, looking for advice they're just so much more willing to help you out and mm -hmm. so much more willing to like be lenient on you right because like you're going to them for help and everyone feels good when they help someone else right exactly. so just the easy way to make them feel good make them feel like they're contributing and you get whatever you want out of it too so exactly and because like everyone's been in the in your shoes as a student right like everyone's been in that seat where okay like i'm trying to get my next opportunity somebody helps you out you get that role and now somebody reaches out to you for some help like it's only natural to want to give back at that point. Um, mm -hmm. To your point, though, what you mentioned about the the your your university's email. So, like, when when I was choosing my, I don't know why, but like, we got a chance to actually choose our own email. Um, yeah. 
date like my name was taken right i tried different configurations of my name it was all taken i didn't realize there's so many damien josephs out there in the world <laughs> so eventually what i landed on was dr.joseph at like utoronto.ca so it's like yo dr joseph is mailing emailing me from from the university of toronto so i think people see that they're like yo this guy must be like sick right but no <laughs> i'm just a regular old student too so i think that's been uh a bit of a serendipitous way that I've been able to leverage the the student email as well. Is that uh should I contact like the board, the Medical Association of Ontario, and like report you for that, or is that? <laughs> I'm not even on there. Uh, yeah, but like no, hey, report you for impersonation, bro, dude. You're not on it. That's the point. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking for the future. You know, if I ever get a PhD, then I can claim it. I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. Also, uh, I just um. I just searched up Damien Joseph on Facebook and I command F. Guess how many results I got? Fuck. Uh, 1,300? 97. Okay. Show it to 1,300. But still, like, <laughs> I guarantee you, for at least not that, not as common. But, anyways, yeah, I think like the, the email aspect is a very important part of it. I was thinking maybe we can talk through like kind of like our application processes because I feel like that's pretty important. Like, a lot of people like going into, you know, master's, PhD programs, like, are you just like confused? Like, yo, what do we even have to do in undergrad to get there? Right. Um, like, how do I go from this step to this step? Um, so yeah, I wanted to open up that conversation. I don't know, maybe Damien, you can start like from like graduating to the point of like getting into your master's, like what, what did you have to do to get there? So the first step was just finding the program. Um, oftentimes you don't even know what exists out there. So take the time to really survey the land. Um, don't, necessarily go with like the first option that pops up when you when you search like a specific field or something right like again this is a huge choice that you're making so take the time to make sure you're making the best possible choice for yourself um after that like after i found the program obviously just looking at the the requirements for admission making sure you meet like the basic requirements oftentimes like a gpa requirement um certain courses perhaps extracurriculars or like another admissions test or something that you might have to do for it so once I knew that, like, I checked all of those boxes, um, the next step, honestly, and like, this is really important, I think, for anybody that's applying to any future program, try and find someone that you can kind of lean on as a mentor or someone you can lean on for advice. Um, honestly, the first thing that I did even before I found the mentor is that, like, I reached out to the directors of the programs I was considering and asked them if they'd have some time to, like, sit down. Surprisingly, like, they actually did. So don't be afraid yeah. to take that step. Uh, and like, again, I think it just reflects better on you because you, they get an opportunity to see your face and like actually read your name. So when your name pops up mm -hmm. in the admissions, they'd be like, damn, this guy took the initiative or this girl took the initiative to uh, actually reach out and like learn more about the program. Um, and again, like come strapped with insightful questions. Show that you've actually done your homework on the thing. So after that, I, uh, yeah, I, I ended up finding someone that was able to help me with my admissions process and like make sure my letter of intent and my like essays or whatever, like they were good. And for, okay, so I'm gonna have to brush up my memory for my admissions process. I think I did have to do a letter of intent. Um, there was another writing component that I remember. And then I needed three references as well as a transcript. I think that was it for me. And then afterwards, like there was actual interview process as well. With the interview process was very tedious, bro. Oh my God. Very tedious, yeah. It was crazy. Cause like what happened was, um, so the interview process consisted of a, a written component. And then B, I had, I think 
three, two or three separate interviews. And then the last component was you had to prepare a presentation that you would deliver to one of the faculty. So Damn, I was like, dude, that's was, deeper than my process. It's way deeper. I only had two interviews, but yeah, yeah, it was man, like it was it was it was a headache. I don't know. But the craziest part was so you pick a time slot, whatever, right? And there's gonna be I think for me, there's two other people going through the same time slot as me, just so they can like get interviews done faster. Mm-hmm. The written process, they just took us into this like tiny little room, they just sat us down, and then the uh the program assistant, she was like yeah so okay you guys can't use your phones um you know you have 20 minutes to do this um let me know if you have any any questions and then she just left the room i'm like okay and then the other two they immediately jumped to start writing i'm like holy shit we're already starting like the time's already like ticking that's pressure yeah and like you know you're nervous in these moments right at least i was so like, yeah. I was just in my head the whole time. Like I could feel the blood pumping into my head. I can hear the blood like coursing behind my ears. It was crazy. I felt like my head was going to explode. I flipped over the page and I couldn't even read. Like I'm I, like, I see words on a page. I was just freaking out. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, shit, did I bring a pen? I don't know why I didn't even bring a pen to your, to your interview guys. Like, I don't know if you'll need it. But I I, I go around with the pen everywhere now, just in case. Like I was traumatized that, by that experience. Um, but yeah, like again, like whatever. Uh, finally took a couple seconds to breathe, got got over it, and then I finally wrote it. But I I almost started crying. Like it was crazy. Like I, I didn't think I would be shook up like that because I spent so much time preparing for this thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, like that all that all went well, and uh, eventually I got admitted. But that was that was like in a nutshell what my interview process was like or admissions process. What about you? Yeah, if you don't mind asking, because I know people will be in the comments asking this. What was your GPA, bro? You don't have to expose yourself right now if you don't oh. want to. <laughs> okay, are we talking? Are we talking cumulative GPA or like for the? What was the GPA that you applied with? Like, what what mattered? Like, what do they look at? Because uh, I know a lot of, I know a lot of places. Or I don't know. I'm just like trying to dispel the myth because my GPA wasn't that high either. So it's like there's this myth that like you have to have like a 4.0 to get into good grad school right but i don't think that's the case at all so um it was i think for my program it was the equivalent of what would be like a b plus for your last two years i think mm-hmm. uh i'm pretty sure it was two i can't remember if it was last year or two years i think it was two years yeah yeah so there, there you have it, folks you don't need like a fucking a plus to get into grad school no yeah. i think like they're starting to realize that right like obviously you will have some certain and like again what it should be stated that like we both did professional programs research programs will probably have different um admissions requirements because if you're going to be like nerding out they want to make sure they're getting like the best nerds for the program right for sure so that that's the caveat i should mention there yeah cool okay i can dive deep into my process well so i got into columbia for the deferred mba program uh first the ivy league in the family let's go um not that labels matter you know but (laughs) <laughs> my mama is proud so i'll be happy with that um and so really when i was looking at my decision it was like okay um so for context the deferred program is a program you apply to in your senior year as opposed to like you know three or four years into your career with a typical mba and then um you know you get in and you have two to five years to defer your acceptance so you have two to five years to like do whatever you want you have to be working so like the definition of working is pretty nebulous like honestly you can be kind of like just doing whatever you can start your own startup like whatever you want uh, you just can't be just lounging around on the beach because they'll check in with you like every year or something like that. Um, 
but you have to be working and then you have two to five years to like do whatever you want and then the two-year full-time MBA program you'll enter just as like a regular MBA student right and it's about like 10 percent of the class and only I think like the top seven MBA schools in the, in, in the U.S. like offer this kind of thing there's like a couple foreign countries that offer it as well um they're called like the M7 or whatever so as I was graduating I was I was thinking like yo like you know, I like software engineering, but is this like what I want to do long-term? Um, is there like a chance that I might want to pivot sometime later? Um, and, you know, since then I've like definitely validated that sentiment, but at the time it was more like, okay, I want to set up my options, like have everything open in the future. If I get in, I don't have to go. Right. And that's another big thing. If you get in, you don't have to go. No one's going to like hold a gun to your face and be like, come to our school. Right. Like that's totally fine. If you, if you get in and you decide not to go later. So I think it's like good to have some optionality. So yeah, um, towards like the end of my first semester, I was like, okay, like, you know, maybe it's time to start applying. So what the process looked like for me is like, number one, GRE scores, transcripts, essays, and letter recommendations. That's pretty much like the entire MBA application process. And I think it's like pretty universal because I applied to like most of the best schools in the US. And I think pretty much like every school will be the same process. So number one, GREs, yo, you, you just kind of have to do all of them. If you're like not that great at standardized testing, I'd recommend like setting aside like a lot of time to study for it, just because it takes like a, a, a little bit of time to, you know, like get in the mindset of writing a standardized test. That's part of the reason I chose to apply while I was in school, because I was like, yo, I'm not trying to be 28 and like writing tests again. Like, I don't think that'll work out for me. So um, big reason why I applied then. And I think it honestly helped me out a lot. Um, GRE scores at the top schools, like you kind of have to be in like the top, like 95th percentile and above so that's super super important um if i have any advice to that it's like just reps like just do a ton of practice tests and like you'll eventually get to that point it's very similar to like writing the sats um you know not super difficult but they'll trip you up with like random little questions and like anecdotes and like a random word that does not need to be there and, and you know <laughs> if you're time pressured you'd be like oh like what's this rabbit saying but that rabbit is not relevant to your math question like don't just ignore it um, so yeah, that's pretty much the process for jury. Get a good score, write it multiple times if you have to. That's totally fine. I actually wrote it twice because I wrote it online. And the first time I wrote it, uh, you have to connect to like a proctor or whatever, right? And like they're watching you through your webcam the entire time you're writing it. Yo, it's intense. They like make you like hold yourself up to a mirror to see if there's anything on your laptop screen. They like ask you to check every door and open it so they can see like the entrance of every door. Um, they ask you to check under your desk, bro. It's super intense. But anyways, the first time I wrote it, my proctor didn't connect to me for like an hour and a half. And I, I'd like planned all this out. Like I'd time my caffeine. I don't eat in the morning. So <laughs> like I hadn't eaten at all. And so like an hour and a half later, I was just like hungry and like tired from no caffeine. So I just, I boshed that right completely. And I rewrote it like two weeks later. Um, all that said, like you can write it again. So it's not the end of the world. I would recommend writing a bit early. So you have some time to write it again if you want. And if you're not good at standardized testing, you just spend a lot more time prepping it. I'm sure you'll get it. It's kind of just like a muscle you have to work out, right? Um, so that's GRE portion, transcript portion, million dollar question. What was your GPA to get into Ivy League school? Yeah, honestly, it wasn't that good. I had like a 3.5, um, kind of like cumulative GPA equivalent. Um, and that's not like as high as you think to like get into like a really good grad school. But I think like a big thing is like I was in an engineering program. So like they recognize that, you know, like your program matters, like doing like an English degree versus doing like, like a double engineering program. It's like obviously going to be much harder to get good marks in not not disrespecting any english degrees i never had done an english degree so i can't can't you know speak to as, how difficult they are but i i can say that my gpa was a bit hard to get so um that's i think definitely a portion of it um 
But like I said, like if they have minimum GPAs, hit your minimums and like that's it. Like, don't worry. Like, I think Columbia's like a 3.1. It's like, yeah, like you can look at stats and be like, oh, but only like 1% of applicants with a 3.1 get in. Dude, fuck that. Like, you can be the 1% if you want. It's already super hard to get in. If you meet the minimums, like, and you want to go to the program, like, apply. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah. So, like, transcript, that's pretty much just like what you do. University, I'd recommend like, don't kill yourself getting your GPA and make sure you have time to do other stuff. But like, if you are considering grad school, like, you pay attention to your grades. Like you can't just let them slip completely because mm -hmm. that that would have like made it so I couldn't have gone into any of the schools I wanted to go to. Um, and then essays, holy, this could be like a whole episode in and of themselves, but like there's like a, a good website that does like a good analysis of this. It's called Poets and Quants. Um, they actually offer like free roasting sessions as well. So I did one of the roast sessions. You can look it up on YouTube to see me get roasted uh, by this like old guy <laughs> who used to be like an MIT admissions officer. Um, but yeah, they were on this like program where they like, roast you for free if you like submit your resume and like as the only condition is they put it up on YouTube. So they're like, oh, like let's run a hella clickbaity title with the SpaceX intern and like see if we can like get some views off of it. Anyways, whatever. It worked out for me because I got a free roast. But like the big thing with the essays is you have to have like a super, super cohesive narrative. You just like gotta really center in on like who you are, what how your experiences have led to who you are, like in this moment right now. And like how who you are is going to contribute to like the classroom, the environment, like the peer group in your MBA, and then like lead to whatever you're going to do after you graduate. So like that's pretty much the thesis. Like there's a bunch of uh, questions. There's one that Harvard is like notorious for where it's like, oh, just like use space for whatever you want. Right. And like then there's like, you know, like Columbia had like uh, like some random questions about like, oh, like your parents and like shit like that. Like what did you take from your parents growing up? Stuff like that. So it's like. For me, I think the biggest thing was like making journaling like a regular habit made this super easy. It was like, I know who I am. I know why I want to do this. So like, it's a matter of like fitting that to like whatever like combination of questions they've said. Mm -hmm. But the narrative is always going to be the same no matter what school it was, no matter what question it was, right? So um, yeah, self-awareness is key for that stuff. Like I started journaling like a year in advance and when it came time for essays, I crunched them out like a week each. So mm -hmm. um, it was like three essay questions, like a thousand words each or something like that. So it is a, it's a decent amount of writing, but like, you know, you'll get there um and then after that it's like so you have your transcript you have your gpa uh and gre scores and you have your essays you get selected for an interview dude it's just shooting the shit with your interviewer like that's like the number one advice i have for a non-technical interview just get them to like you like do some research on them so i, I got interviewed the first time by um a, a ex an ex-columbia student who um and actually columbia does this for all their first rounders it's like it's like a graduate from the MBA program or like a last year student that does the interview. Um, and so like, yo, they're like, they're not that much older than you. Just like figure out how you can shoot the shit with them. And for me, the person was like um, a like media marketing executive at like a media company. Uh, I forget like CNBC or something like that. Um, and we'd actually just done the episode with Chris Golson on the podcast. I oh, I so know it. it was like, perfect. Like I was just like, yo, I just interviewed this guy for the podcast. Like, He's, he works at Disney Plus. He's like, oh, I'm hella interested in like how technology relates to, you know, like the world of media and like Netflix and all this stuff. Like, how does that work? And like, how does the business aspect of it work? And so I just like shot the shit with her for a hot minute about that. So it was like super good. I followed up with her. I sent her a couple like podcast links and stuff. Um, so yeah, just like treat the interviewer as like somebody who's like also curious to get to know you and like has their own interests and like feed into those interests and you're golden. Like that's kind of the role about talking to anyone, right? Like get them yeah. excited about something and they'll like you because they were excited when they talked to you, right? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, that's pretty much the advice I have for interviewing. It's not technical at all. It's not like they'll ask you like a case-based scenario. But the one thing about NBA interviews is you got to go quick. Like they really, really care. 
about like how quick you can get to the point and like how like concise your answer is. You can't waste a sentence. You can't use a lot of fillers. You just have to be like very methodical about how you answer a question. Because mm -hmm. what they're looking for is like, yo, if I was in a class with this guy and like the prof asked him a question, would he ramble for like 30 minutes or would he like get to the answer and like contribute something so like the rest of us learn too, right? Um, and so that's a huge aspect of it. And then you do after that, it's just letters of references. Also, big advice for this. I almost like bit my teeth off and like nervousness because I like one of my references and I won't say it was submitted like super late it was like literally like an hour left and I like called him on his home phone like six times I was like yo bro like there's an hour left like I really want to get into school um and so yeah pick your references wisely and give them like <laughs> shit to notice it in advance like I I gave them a month but you know people are busy props are busy like they don't mm -hmm. check their email that often so like make sure you you like really have a relationship with them and you feel comfortable like telling them super super far in advance and like share your narrative with them too because like what a lot of people don't realize is that those letters of references aren't just like yo is this person good like have you worked with them before and like would you rate a skills like a 10 out of 10 that's important but like what's more important is a reference that like understands who you are and like feeds into the narrative that you've already put in your application because like mm -hmm. if you're presenting yourself as this person you know for me it was like oh like I have a lot of experiences in healthcare etc cetera, etc cetera. i decided i want to do engineering the way, like the way I think like I can, you know, make the most impact is using that intersection of technology and business and like applying it to whatever problem I want. If they don't understand that narrative and doesn't tie into it, they'll be just like, oh, what the fuck? Like this reference has nothing to do with the human being that we just read 3000 words on, right? And mm -hmm. so tying that in is super, super important. And after that, it's God's plan, bro. Like, wait, uh, I remember I was at the airport actually when I, going to Texas for my SpaceX internship, when I, when I got the call, and I was like, yo, like I have like 20 minutes to catch this flight. Like I can't take this call right now, mm -hmm. but it was a New York number. And I was like, yo, like there's like the off chats that it's not like a scammer from New York. And it's like, actually Columbia University. And then I answered and it was just like, like, you know, like one of the happiest moments of my life, bro. I was like going off in Chicago or hair, just like fucking dancing and shit. So yeah, it's, yes. um, it's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the process for me. But like, you know, if there's any lessons, it's like, yo, I didn't have a crazy GPA um i'm not like the typical mba candidate at all i applied to like the defer program which is like slightly harder to get into like the regular like stream or whatever but yo it's god's fun like there's percentages to all this and like you can figure out how to game them or you could just like put your best foot forward and like figure it out from there mm -hmm. and it's a learning experience right like even if you don't get in you met a ton of cool people along the way um you learn more about yourself you've kind of forced that reflection sounds like platitudes but you know at the end of the day you do grow through this experience as well um, yeah and then the good part about like grad school is that i mean you waited a year before and like like you yeah. took a year off dude like if i didn't get in i could have applied like in three years or four years again like exactly. it's not like graduating high school where it's like and high school is like that too like if people can take time off like my oldest just took time off before she started university and that was totally fine but like i feel like there's a lot more pressure it's like yo you you gotta start university like right after or you're gonna be old right with grad yeah. school there's no such pressure it's like people in my class would be like five years older than me or like or no one will be younger than me because I don't think anyone does their MBA right out of fucking undergrad. But like, <laughs> you can be the youngest person, the oldest person in class. It's the same experience, right? And like, mm -hmm. you can do time, you can take time off. You don't get in this year. You can work a job, you know, like work on your application. There's exactly. literally like an unlimited amount of second chances. So like, don't count yourself out if you don't get in the first time. Big, big mm -hmm. lesson for me. Man, I had the same fucking experience with the, one of my references. I was so stressed. I'm like, I'm not making it to grad school. Yeah, but dude, I made the mistake of getting high the night before the references do nah. and i remember like i got high and like you dude you could ask the shaman or everyone about this that night i was just checking my phone the entire time i was like 
holy fuck exactly. this is the most like anxious i've ever been in my life yo don't do that piece of advice don't do that don't pop any of the night before references do but yeah. like yeah dude it's just so stressful man. i don't know why they do this to us it was crazy because like and that reference specifically for me like that was the one that i was giving the most amount of weight to because they actually got recently like they got promoted um at the university like vice provost so i'm like yo it's gonna be like yeah. sick you know? like this person is referencing me uh, yeah. or referring me but fuck yeah like that was so stressful and like they literally like finished it sent it like like you said like an hour before it was due and they're like oh all they said like an email just said done oh my god dude the worst yo the worst i don't know why i processed this okay so background hopefully this doesn't give it away but i was applying to stanford and a stanford reference is due and my my reference was a phd from stanford so it's like yo perfect like yeah like ran like a community program with stanford like these guys would love it like they eat this shit up i didn't even get any stanford i don't know if it's because it's reference or not but whatever um <laughs> and yo like i emailed this guy like many many times and then he sends it and he's like done like he ignores like six emails where i'm like stressing the fuck out and he just says done and i'm like afterwards like yo like thank you so much like let me buy dinner let me buy breakfast like what's your family say like let me read you some coffee like what's your ads like all this shit yeah. and like he never responded to any of it exactly. i was like bro like i just you know i want to say thank you but also like fuck man that was like 10 years off my life right there so you know like i i do have to yeah like thinking about what it's like to be in the position too like there's so many students hitting them up like yo like please oh, yeah. give me a reference right i can't imagine how first of all annoying but like also how stressful it is to have to be responsible for so many students lives in that way because it's oh, yeah. a huge it's a huge burden to kind of have to carry with you so yeah for sure kudos to those profs thank you for kudos being amazing indeed. um yes, all right yeah i think that. we kind of yeah covered everything there um i also remember where i was what i was doing when i got my acceptance yeah what was it what were you doing i went fucking crazy after like i read that email like my phone went off mid-set i was like what is this i saw it and just burst of adrenaline i was just a monster after that so that was that was cool that's the best way to hit your pr get an acceptance letter dude i absolutely love those stories where it's like where were you when this happened yeah it's like like the most (laughs) random shit always like i don't know it's just such a good feel good time like Mm -hmm. i don't if you're if you're ever like depressed in your grad school journey like applying and shit like search it up on like reddit or whatever and you just like get some warm fuzzies and like renew your faith that this is something you want to do like it's always worth it at the end if you you get it even if you don't get in it's still worth it because you learn so much about yourself but those stories help with the motivation quite a bit if you if you want a subreddit to help you make you feel better if you do get rejected check out wall street bets there's plenty of people running their lives on there um yes sir (laughs) a little negative advice there but hopefully somewhere in today's set of ramblings um more so on my part you were doing great great concise answers (laughs) Uh, hopefully somewhere in those ramblings there was some sort of value and perhaps more direction when it comes to like how, how does grad school look like what are admissions like is it worth it we, oh you haven't done it yet i can't ask you if it's worth it yeah i'll, I'll uh, get a rain check on that question yes, i think like at the end of the day if you did make an intentional choice to do it and it's not something you just fell into it will be worth it like in some mm-hmm. way at the very least you'll meet some amazing people along the way um, just by virtue of it being a graduate school, you know, the people you're around are inherently just a little bit more driven than the average person. So it's mm-hmm. amazing to be able to surround yourself with people like that. Personally, I found community has done way for more for my personal growth than anything else in my life. So mm-hmm. just take that into account as well. Yeah, for sure. Sending Before you guys, we close off, yeah. actually, that reminds me of that one quote. 
who's who's the we interviewed that author i don't remember it was like so melody? long ago on the podcast but i was yes melody so i was like stressing super hard about like what city moves like New York, oh yeah, maybe, yeah and like the one piece of advice and i think it like really really goes through with this piece of advice too is like you just have to pick something and then make the most of the decision and it will be worth it like either you move to new york and you'll make the most of it and it'll be a sick time and you'll, you'll look back and be like yo i'm so glad i went to new york mm-hmm. or you move to sf and you'll also be so glad you moved to sf but what doesn't matter like the decision itself doesn't matter as much as like what you get out of the decision and the prep time you put into that decision right so it's like with grad school like yo you get in and you're gonna make the most of it regardless maybe you don't get into your top school like my top school is harvard i didn't get in i got into columbia but like i'm gonna go in with the intention of making that like the most unforgettable fucking amazing experience and like that's what it'll be for me i look back in like 10 years and i'll be like yo like i'm glad i didn't get to harvard and maybe i don't know what it would have been like but I'll know what I made it, right? So exactly. a little piece of advice before we sign off. Yeah. Make all those Harvard MBAs jealous. <laughs> hopefully not, hopefully. All right, send you guys positive vibes. Good luck on your apps. If you need uh, some more help, you know, hit us up. If you want some advice or just want to chat, yes, let us know. We're I'm happy good. to edit some essays. Just uh, Venmo me like five bucks and I'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just do, I'll do it for McDonald's iced coffee. <laughs> yeah, that shit is hell expensive these days too. So <laughs> inflation's going crazy. Inflation is crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. what I just, I stick with water. You know, water just never failed me. Water is king. But anyways, anyways, thanks for listening. Yes, sir. I am with that. Farewell. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. Thank you for listening. Think you got it? Nah, we're on the next iteration.